This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And here on the Tuesday program, we got plenty of good stuff lined up for you. We've got, well, some makeup stuff on a Monday after the, as I said, very packed weekend. There was a chance that I might forget something, and I did. We'll make up for that hopefully here in the first block. Also, a handful, in fact, more than a handful, of new members of the football team announced on Monday. Transfers, we'll give you the details. Alex Golish going with a lot of Power 5 schools to pick up some new bulls. In our second segment, you'll hear some highlights of what made Tyler Harris of the men's basketball squad and Sammy Puisis on the women's side members of the American Athletic Conference Weekly Honor Roll. Oh yeah, a lot of three-point shots in there. And yes, the women's basketball team didn't quite get ranked as we posited would be the case on yesterday's show, although it went down a little bit differently than I thought, we'll explain. I'll be headed to Houston today with the women's team to bring you action tomorrow night. A reminder that we'll have two games going on at once, actually not for a little bit because the men begin sooner. We'll be at home against Cincinnati. That's a 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock start, and then the women's broadcast will begin right as the men are headed towards halftime. We will have the men on Bulls Unlimited and the women, again, in Houston on the Strike 1025 HD2. So basketball in our second segment will also begin our softball interviews. They were fun to gather up on Friday morning at the Muma Center, actually, and I was able to talk to, well, like I said, about 20 members of the team. Some interviews went longer than others, but you'll hear them all in the next three and a half weeks ahead of the softball season. When I can get them into sort of a theme, I will. Today, you're going to hear from a couple of pitchers who can hit, but much different circumstances we're talking about, and we'll explain in our second segment. Vivian Pond and Antoinette Hill, both really enjoyable to talk to, and what you'll hear from Hill is some really inside stuff and some great stuff as well. So, Softball interviews begin, and then coming up this Thursday night, we'll have our baseball photo shoot set up and get to talk to a lot of members of Billy Mole's squad. They will begin a week after softball does. So again, softball starts on a Thursday night, essentially just over three weeks from today, and then baseball the following weekend, and we will be packed for the spring as far as play-by-play. And we will definitely, as we said on Twitter plenty of times and on this show, bookmark the link for the strike 1025 HD2 because there'll be two games going on at once between those two sports and both basketball teams plenty, especially in the month of February and early March. Also, men's tennis, we said it was going to be a difficult one against FAU. The Bulls did lose that match, but once again, the final score not indicative of how the action was going, and we'll explain in a little bit. So, before we get to track and field, yes, I owe them an apology and a makeup, and we'll get there. Let's start off with the new bunch of bulls for Alex Golish, and most of them who are looking for that extra chance at playing time. Some have gotten their share, others haven't. And let's start off with somebody who kind of fits right in the middle of that and scored a touchdown against the Bulls this year. Third and 15 from the USF 18. Empty backfield. Richardson to throw. He flares it out. It's caught, and the Bulls make the tackle short of the first down at about the 15-yard line. That's going to set up a fourth and 12, so it'll bring the field goal unit out, but there is a late flag down. Let's see what the flag is. The Bulls thought they had the stop. They did have the stop. Dwayne Boyles 
flashed in the middle and stopped, stopped the receiver cold. After the play was over, personal foul, unnecessary roughness number one on the defense. Penalty is half the distance to the goal, results in automatic first Matthew down. Matthew Hill, three points off the board and given Florida a first and goal and a chance to get seven. Bull's sideline is really incensed by that one. First and goal from the eight, 4.50 left in the half. They run to the right and getting around the defense and into the end zone for a touchdown is Naquan Wright and the Gators reclaim the lead. You had to include the buildup there because that was still probably the worst call against the season on the Bulls. Remember the Florida Gator kind of engaged Hill and then flopped the second he got a chance. But hey, the point is they got a pretty good running back, Naquan Wright, who helped lead Miami Carroll City to the state championship. We're talking about five years ago. In four seasons in Gainesville, Wright did run for around 700 yards total. His rushing total against the Bulls this year, six carries, 37 yards, was his second highest. He went for 39 yards on 10 carries against Utah. Only had one catch this year. Actually did have some receptions the previous two years, a total of 27 of them covering around 300 yards. You know, no Brian Batte. This guy is more of a sturdier back. Goes five foot nine, 202. Needless to say, the Bulls having to fill some spots in that running back room. And Naquan Wright, of all the names announced officially on the USF Football Twitter page Monday, has the most game experience at the Division I level anyway. At the FCS level, I still call it 1AA in my head, but will be accurate, is Dominic Ganella. He is a Bloomingdale High School kid. Went for about 2,500 yards with those Bulls and then went to North Dakota State. One of those powerful programs that actually won the national championship last year. In three seasons, averaged around 400, 450 yards per year. Two touchdowns each. Actually scored two touchdowns in a playoff game a few years back. Curiously left the team before this year's playoffs. So see how he performs with the Bulls. Then, as I mentioned, plenty of guys from the D1 level, from Power 5 schools, that generally fall under the same umbrella of just not getting a lot of playing time at their bigger school and we'll see how they do here you know the bulls needed some help on the offensive line losing the bulk of their experience due to graduation and in the case of dustin hall the transfer portal one of them is from go figure the university of tennessee alex gullish's previous stop rj perry who logged in three years the most snaps in a game was seven as far as on the actual offensive line though he did play a lot on the special teams unit along the line a lot of guys from the state of texas rj perry is originally from alabama including another offensive lineman Derek bowman who played at the university of houston again only appeared in a few games on the defensive line from the state of texas and actually from the texas longhorns roster edge rusher dj harris played as a linebacker just played in one game with one tackle this last year played in a couple of games last season prior to that was a big time high school performer ranked highly in the state of texas helped his school new caney to the playoffs they only lost one game he had 17 tackles for loss as a junior and again was thought highly enough of to be recruited to the university of texas seth jones from perlin texas was a wide receiver for Baylor, appeared in two games last year. No stats. He does not have a career catch. Was a star in high school at Shadow Creek. And then two more for you. Bryce Archie 
was the backup quarterback as a true freshman last year at Coastal Carolina. Got in to a couple of games, completed one pass. Goes 6'3", 205. And with Gary Bohannon and Byron Brown, the Bulls seem to be in pretty good shape at the quarterback position, but adding another transfer in this case in Bryce Archie. And besides the running backs, the guy who had the most actual stats so far is the kicker from the University of Virginia, Brendan Farrell, split time last year. Was 11 for 13 on field goals two seasons ago making all 34 of his PATs this year, as I said, split time, went four of eight on field goals. But was their kickoff guy every single attempt, 38 attempts with 25 touchbacks. So that really kind of stands out about Brendan Farrell. We want to see what they look like. Some pretty cool video production done by the USF football folks on their Twitter page, at USF Football. All right, on to track and field, and indeed, I give them an apology. I love the coach, Eric Jenkins, the staff, and the really roster that has improved so much with his stay here and includes a lot of transfers and also internationals, and they got their indoor track and field season going. I told you on Friday's show it was happening, and again, it just sort of slipped off my radar for no good reason. So how do they do in Gainesville now? Let's go ahead and say this was not at the University of Florida. The University of Florida did not compete in this event. UCF competed on the women's side. Mostly besides that, the Division I schools included the likes of UNF and FIU, and there were plenty of Division II schools, and actually in some cases some junior colleges there. And the Bulls, as you might imagine, did pretty well. Now, they're going to win events where there's smaller schools, but what really is relevant is in relation to school marks at USF and we said Romaine Beckford set a new school record in the high jump seven feet three inches 2.21 meters specifically that is the second best mark in the country he is a national title contender and right behind him in the list was Kendall Mosley finishing in second place David Ajama and we're talking about by many inches which (laughs) as you know in track and field if you win by four and five inches you're standing out David Ajama won both the long jump and the triple jump, as I said, easily. His long jump of 7.33 meters is fourth on the all-time school list, and his triple jump was third, 15.7 meters. And how about a freshman from the Virgin Islands in his first event tying the school record? I think that's pretty promising. Jaleel Kroll did it, winning the 60-meter dash with a time of 6.74, four bulls in the top seven at that event. And on the women's side, a transfer from Barton Community College, originally from Jamaica, Nia Robinson posted two top 10 school all-time finishes, seventh in the case of her triple jump, which she was second in the event in Gainesville, and also tied for 10th on the all-time list in the women's high jump, only to be bettered by two teammates who were one, two in the event this past weekend, Kendall Mosley, and Anaya Ashley. I also want to mention Johan Jeremiah, who's been really good for the men in the shot put. He was second. And sophomore Kobe Babin wins the pole vault, tying him for fourth on the USF all-time list. And last but not least, great name, Michael Bourne III wins the 60-meter hurdles and in the preliminaries was a tenth of a second off of the school record with a little bit better of a time of a 7.8 in the final Easily won with a 7.93. Also wanted to mention Arden LaRose because she is the, well, I think soon-to-be starting goalkeeper. She's been the backup goalkeeper to Sydney Martinez her first two years. Martinez has graduated. LaRose, a new, as the Canadian had told me, she was very good in track and field, and she got to compete 
in the mile and did pretty well, a personal best time of 5 minutes and 14 seconds. She was also third in the 800 meters. So they will practice this week. Probably will not practice indoors since it's so lovely out these days. And we'll head to Louisville the following weekend. The indoor track and field season will end with the championships for the conference in Birmingham. And it's funny how in the case of track and field specifically, one season crosses over with the next. The NCAA indoor championships are in Albuquerque, March 10th and the 11th. Well, meanwhile, the outdoor season begins for the Bulls technically on February the 18th. And they'll host an event for the first time in the middle of March. My goodness, that's going to be a busy, busy time. Hopefully the women's basketball team will be getting ready for the NCAA tournament. Hopefully the men will continue to keep it going. And, of course, baseball and softball will be a month in in full swing there. We love covering all the sports for you, including tennis. And, unfortunately, we gave you kind of a hint that it could be an 0-3 start because of the team they were playing yesterday. Florida Atlantic is very, very good and beat the Bulls 4-0. So a second consecutive shutout loss. But in tennis, not all shutout losses are the same. If you see 7-0... Sometimes that means a complete domination. If you see 4 nothing, that means the teams agreed before the match that once you get to 4, which means you've clinched the overall victory, play stops no matter what's happening on the other courts, and that's what happened in this case. So the Bulls lost the doubles point. Frankly, FAU kind of handled them there. So the Bulls needed to pull off four of the six singles matches, and five of the six singles matches Went to a third set. The only straight setter was for FAU at the number two position. Alberto Colas defeats Alvin Todorica 6-4-6-2. The Mississippi State transfer, Davide Tortora, was playing in the number one spot for the first time after he took a nationally ranked player from Cal Santa Barbara to three sets the prior day. So long story short, this was not FAU making quick work of the Bulls. This was a three-hour-plus match, and that's when the last point was secured at the number three spot. The Bulls' Eric Revelius, he's the Georgia transfer, won his second set 6-1, but got beat 6-3. While that was happening, the other three matches, granted all of which the Bulls would have had to have won, Tortora was down 5-3 in his third set. Bruno Oliveira, who had forced a third with a second set tiebreaker victory, was on serve at 2-1, and Finn Stodder of FAU had a 5-4 lead on the Bulls' Elijah Cham. So, rough weekend for the Bulls, three good opponents. By the way, Cal Santa Barbara won a thriller against Rice to go to 3-0 and on the weekend, their first 3-0 and start in more than a decade. That's the team that last year went 17-6, and but for the first time in seven years did not make the NCAA tournament because they didn't really have the strength of schedule thanks to their conference well. They started off 3-0 and against a pretty strong schedule, and the Bulls were 0-3 against that same schedule. Hoping for better results at FGCU on Friday. Then they'll be home this Sunday for a couple of matches against Georgia State and Stetson. Coming up next, some highlights of some basketball players who were named to the weekly honor roll. And first of my softball interviews, you're going to hear from Vivian Pond and Antoinette Hill, pitchers who can hit, but one who did a lot more hitting. The other, well, it's a great story. And it's coming up next on Bulls Beat. <laughs> 